0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Good morning and welcome to the Morning Briefing for Thursday, March 1st, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Dane. Jake Hughes is your producer. And coming up on today's show... We'll be joined by the executive director of AMVETS, Joe Schinelli. He's going to talk to us about the latest items his organization is focused on. And of course, there's a lot to talk about going on over at the VA, including an update on the alleged computer hacking that would eventually lead to the chief of staff for Secretary Shulkin resigning. So We're going to touch on that and oh so much more with our friend Joe from AMVETS. Later. The CEO of Patriot Alliance, Jake Greenberg, will join us to talk about his company. Now, Patriot Alliance is civilian owned and operates under the slogan or under the uh, I shouldn't say the slogan under the, uh, uh, the, the the guidance of increasing patriotism. They create apparel and use some of their profits to give back to the military and veteran communities. So our talk with Jake is going to be coming up later on in the show to find out more about that and find out why a civilian wanted to start a company that helps soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen, and veterans of all stripes. All of that and more on today's edition of the show. And it all starts off now as we welcome super producer Jake Hughes into the studio the crowd likes that they always like it when jake comes walking yes around. yes i know i am just that awesome i appreciate the applause no please 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 take a seat take a seat it's okay and see and they respond to you they listen when you tell them to sit down they do this isn't an episode of maury baby this is the morning <laughs> briefing things are under control here you know to the extent that they need to be anyway uh jake how are you this morning
2: i'm uh, okay i had a Bit of an issue at the VA yesterday. Oh, you did? And before you say anything, it wasn't an issue with the VA itself, (laughs) it was the individual doctor. Oh, okay. I had an appointment yesterday, so I went there. I sat for 30 minutes after the appointment time till I finally asked the people at the front desk and found out that the doctor had a family emergency because she had to back out. So they had to reschedule me to today. And now it's like, I left early for an appointment yesterday, I'm leaving early for the same appointment today, yeah. people are going to think I'm like shamming out of work, you know? Oh, it's like, yeah. no, I have an appointment, I swear. Yeah, <laughs> I can bring, I, I can bring the, sh- you know, like when you're in the military, when you had to, you had to bring an appointment, but so they won't let yeah. you go. <laughs>
1: I don't believe you. Obviously, just wanting to get out of here early is what's going on there. Family emergency. I have a family. There's never any Oh wait, yeah, no, I've had to yeah. I've had to leave here early several times to go get my son for various reasons. Whether he was throwing up on a teacher or whatever else is happening out there, uh, those things do happen. But it, they didn't contact you. Like, was it? Did it happen while you were there? This it
2: emergency. Mu- it must have because she didn't contact me. But I went to the the front the registration desk of that office, and then they told me, yeah, she had an emergency. She had to go. And this was we'll forty five
1: minutes after your appointment was supposed to have happened. Yes. Well, you had checked in, right? Yes. Why the hell didn't they come over and tell you about that then if you'd checked in? And this is the kind of thing that I dealt with a couple of times over at the VA where, uh, again, not the doctor's fault. We're not saying, you know, family emergencies happen and doctors are people just like anybody else. Things happen. Why, if you're checked in, do they leave you? Why did you need to go ask them what was going on? Why didn't they come to you? You know, if that even if it happened five minutes before your appointment was supposed to happen, if you're checked in, they come over and tell you, or if you're if you're not checked in, call you on your phone. They've got your phone number. I'm quite sure of that. I that that, that kind of irritates me that that happened.
2: Yeah, it, it was you, a little bit irritating. You, but... I
1: bet it irritates a bit more than me because it didn't affect me personally. But that's one of those things. Like why it's why do you have to go over there and tell them about that? That shouldn't happen. If they are the ones who are canceling the appointment, they should tell you that it's happening if they need to reschedule. Otherwise, what would have happened if you just sat there? Nothing. They wouldn't have come over and got you. It went 45 minutes past when your appointment was supposed to start. It's not like they were saying, well, we'll get to it in another 15 minutes. They were just going to let you sit there. That happened to me for over two hours at a VA once because I was kind of uh, out of it. I wasn't feeling very well <laughs> watching. I think it was Con Air it was on like TNT or TBS. And I was there at the beginning of the movie, you know, where they show the uh, the beginning of Con Air, where they talk about him being a ranger and no men left behind. And they show uh, clips from, I think, like the first Gulf War or something yeah. like that. I got there as that was going on. So the very beginning of the movie and then when I realized the credits were running and I've talked about this before, I thought, my God, I just watched Con Air with all the commercials. And I'm, I, I know I got here 15 minutes before my appointment was supposed to start. I had to go to them and find out what had happened. And it was even worse than what happened to you. They didn't think that I had checked in. I, of course, was able to correct them by saying, Oh, yeah? How do I know that you went on a vacation to Puerto Vallarta? How do I know that he was a Marine Corps uh, veteran? How do I know? Like, I was there for five minutes t- listening to these people talk, signing in, spoke to them, and they just apparently forgot about me. And that's the kind of thing that. That can't happen. And, and, you know, I'm able to look at things and kind of detach and be like, all right, well, this person's an idiot. I'm not going to blame that on the entire organization. But that's the kind of thing that can give people a, a very bad taste in their mouth.
2: And I agree. And it was irritating. But at the same time, I don't think that's something. I don't think it's something systemic that you can really deal with. Because, again, I've only had it happen once in the entire year and a half
1: almost that I've been dealing with the VA. The counterpoint to that is, it should happen zero times in the year and a half. And it, like you know, if it would never say, happen with a civilian doctor, man. Come on. If you're forty five minutes that you're sitting there waiting for an appointment, and they tell you, "Oh no, that appointment's not going to happen." It doesn't. Now, it might happen at a hospital if there was some paperwork. Uh, miss happened, like an emergency room, but it, one of the things that, uh, you know, going to a civilian doctor myself, smaller office, smaller staff, they know who's there, you check in, they'll, oh, we'll be right with you. When uh, I had an appointment that got, uh, they had some issue going on with the, the patient that was being seen before me and it got delayed. They came out and let me know. I mean, it, I think part of it's because the VA is, is on a larger scale that things like this are more likely to happen. But, you know, when you say things like that aren't systemic, happened to me. Happened to you. There's two of us in here, and we're two for two on that. And I think if you talk to uh, a, a larger group of veterans, you'll find out that it's not unique to the two of us. We have to assume it happens to other people. And it's it's not the end of the world. Again, this is more of the administration side and the bureaucratic side. But if you checked in and you sat there for 45 minutes and you had to go to them to say, hey, my appointment was 45 minutes ago. What's going on? Oh, uh, the doctor's not here. We're going to have to reschedule your appointment. That's unacceptable really that's 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 something where like at a civilian doctor the person not working the front desk that's the kind of thing where they could lose their job over that because that doctor may then lose that patient because you have the option to go to other doctors and choose another physician. Whereas at the VA, you're, you you don't really have that option. If you're going to the VA, you're going to the VA. Well,
2: would another doctor have my treatment record and have
1: personal history with me? Well, here's the thing. that here's People switch from doctor to doctor, right? Uh, I remember when I was a kid, we had a, a dentist who uh, my mother works in insurance, and I think the dentist she found out was doing some stuff that wasn't on the up and up on uh, as far as the insurance was going we switched to another one that dentist provided our records to the other dentist they're required to do that and you know physicians have to review that and then you'd you'd begin a new Personal interaction with them, so I mean, it it would it would not be easy. But if this happened to you over and over and over again, if it happened like three out of four times that you went in there and you had the option of going someplace else where it wouldn't happen, where you wouldn't be told, "Oh, they're not here. We're gonna have to reschedule." Would you consider going to another place?
2: Absolutely. If it was that systemic, if it was that bad a problem. But again, and again, I can only speak for my experiences. I can't say for everyone else. Exactly. I can only say. You know, I see this doctor every three months, yeah. and
1: and all that time, so that's what three, six, nine. That's like four or five appointments. Right. It's only happened once. That's here's the thing. That's either twenty five or twenty percent of the time. That's not an acceptable failure rate when it comes to something like that. So, I mean, it's 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 indicative of a lot of the issues that people have with the VA. Simple, avoidable things like that. You checked in they didn't contact you beforehand so if this happened while you were waiting i mean was the did the doctor wait 45 minutes to make a decision and then leave right at the same time i find that hard to believe so more likely shortly before you got there that decision was made uh maybe even before you checked in at which point they should have told you when you checked in i you know it, it, it's 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 a fairly minor mistake this isn't a uh a life and death situation. However, if it can happen with one sort of appointment, what's well, who's to say it can't happen with the other. When I was there, it was for like an ear infection or something. So yeah, I mean, that's interesting that that happens. And, and that's it's it's what a lot of people have problems with at the VA, that getting an appointment, showing up, waiting forever. We talked the other day about uh, uh, prescription medications at the VA. It's great they have their own pharmacy in there. It's not great that any time that I had to get a prescription from the VA uh, in the two years or so that I used them, I sat there for hours hours, like two plus hours. And, and, and I wasn't alone. It wasn't like I was the one just getting pushed to the back of the line. Everybody sat there for hours. Meanwhile, after I moved to uh, my civilian physician, they call in the prescription before I've left the office. By the time I get to the pharmacy, the CVS that was around the corner from our house, guess what's waiting for me to pick it up? You know, it, it's, it, it seems like these are fixable things. That's the good side, but they're issues that just keep happening. And it's only happened to you once out of five appointments, let's say. So that's 20% of the time. That's too often, you know?
2: you're right, but I, I also I agree with the VSOs that you're right, it is a problem and it needs to be fixed. Right. However, the the, the drive to fix it has only been for like a year. And they've already they've, already, they've well, okay, yes, it's been a problem beforehand. Yeah, it's but, been a problem for a long time. Yeah, and it hasn't but been with fixed. Secretary Shulkin in power, he's really moved to sort of fix these issues and it's only been a year, and you know how long it takes for you're in the navy. How long does it take a big shit to make a course correction?
1: Oh, it takes a takes a while.
2: Exactly. So I mean, while. and I'm not. It's not a perfect metaphor. I understand that. No, it's but not. I did, but I think, <laughs> yeah. I, what I mean by that is, I think we should give them the time to try to fix this issue before we say, oh, no, nope, doesn't work.
1: Screw right. it. Let's go privatize. And and then the counterpoint to that is they've had years to fix this. I mean, when was the Phoenix uh, issue where they had all, all the, uh, the the people who died out in Phoenix that were on waiting lists? I mean, which is obviously a more extreme version, but a similar similar issue that happened over there. That was years and years ago. And We haven't had anything quite to that level happen, but we're still having these little miniature versions, whether it's on a, you know, if you were there for a very serious thing and you were waiting for uh, for 45 minutes and then told, oh, yeah, no, that appointment was canceled, why didn't you let me know? How come nobody told me when I checked in? How come you didn't tell me in the last 45 minutes? I mean, there are so many questions, and and it, it continues to feel like there are more questions than there are answers at the VA. And one of the questions people had was on this email from Secretary Shulkin's chief of staff. And we'll, we'll talk to Joe Schinelli about it when he comes in in just a little bit. He was the one that brought this to our attention, where the chief of staff, who has since resigned for Secretary Shulkin, uh, was essentially accused of what could be considered a uh, a felony. Changing an email to try and make it look like Secretary Shulkin's wife, wife's presence was required, which could make the $4,000 spent on her airfare on the European trip acceptable. That after the fact, she tried to create this, uh, this email trail that would say like, oh, yeah, no, she had to be there for this some award that he was being presented that didn't exist or whatever. Well, she said that uh, she was hacked essentially. And the you know, secretary Shulkin and the VA uh, and her, uh, they, they told people like AMVETS, American Legion, they had uh, evidence of this. Well, investigators, the investigator general looked into that. The investigator general says they have uncovered no evidence of claims that email hacking may have contributed to that series of ethics violations. There was a letter written to lawmakers on Tuesday by VA Inspector General Mike Missow. His staff found, quote, no evidence that serious computer security violations were compromised and no indication that more minor email issues played a part in the mistakes last summer. Here's a line from that. The OIG now believes that the allegations of hacking are limited to unrelated and relatively unsophisticated spoofing, of former VA Chief of Staff Vivica Wright Simpson's identity through messages sent from an external non-VA email address. So uh, those who were saying that she resigned because, uh, which Secretary Shulkin said, she resigned because she just didn't want to deal with this. She didn't want to be in this environment anymore. Okay, well, maybe because she also <laughs> knew that she was in the wrong there, according to the IG now, that yes, what, what many say is a felony apparently did take place and that there was no hacking in regards to that email. So Do, do we know our charge is going to be filed against her? Uh, no, not yet. Anyway, uh, it doesn't sound like it, but... Um, yeah, yeah, it, it just Yeah,
2: and I I agree with you. I think it was you that said this a couple of days ago or maybe last week or sometime that uh this is really a stupid thing for him to try to cover up if he is covering it up. Like yeah. he said $4,000. He was a private practice, you know,
1: Physician, physician, and then he ran hospitals which they get paid even more than the regular yeah, doctors. It's like
2: he yeah, he has the he you has $4000 yeah.
1: sitting around. Well, and this and and I think what the the issue that you have with something like this and what seems to be the most likely case is that it wasn't him who made that decision. It was his staff. The chief of staff perhaps was the one which would then maybe uh give you a little bit of a reason of why she would doctor an email to try and uh, make it appear that Secretary Shulkin was being honored instead of merely an official guest, all this other stuff. If the staff set it up and he didn't know about it, then really, I mean, yeah, okay, he's ultimately responsible, but if he were able to identify that issue, hold the people who did it accountable, come clean on it, he didn't do that. He basically went with the, oh, no, we, I paid for this ticket. Well, who told you you paid for it? I mean, yeah. you should have checked a little bit on that. Check your bank statement if nothing else, and be like, <laughs> "No, I don't see four thousand dollars for an airline ticket." So it's 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 just not a good situation, and that was also it was it was a silly thing to even have to go through. Like he could afford tickets to Wimbledon, he could afford the flight for his wife over there. So it seems most likely. Again, with people at this level, there are people. They have people. You know what I mean? The quote unquote people that do everything for him. You and I, we got to set up all our own stuff. So far, one of these days, Jake, we're going to have people. Yeah, one we'll of these days minutes. I'll have a little. I'll have a little manservant that can do everything for me. Yeah, like uh, Jerome from the uh, Morris Day and the Time. Morris Day is a manservant who would bring his mirror out on stage when they played the, <laughs> when they played Jungle Love and all the other great hits of Morris Day and the Time, or or take his jacket off of him. That's what you need what's it, Farnsworth Bentley? That was Puff Did- Puff Diddy's Puff Daddies, Sean Combs, let's call him his real name. Sean Combs guy who would carry an umbrella around over him when it was sunny outside and things like that. That's what really everyone should have in life. I know. That and theme music. I want a guy behind me with a boombox just playing like my entrance music every time I come in like a like a WWE wrestler. Yeah, we need aids that can help us out with those little things. Everyone
2: yeah. should have aids.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Jake Hughes. <laughs> Comedian extraordinaire. You're, you're very funny. That ain't right. I'm no, sorry. No, I apologize. It's not. Uh, one of those things that popped up on the news, uh, I guess this was, what, a month ago or so. Remember the airman? I think it was a tech sergeant. Yeah, tech sergeant Geraldine Lovely, Nellis Air Force Base. She was the one that decided for whatever reason, in uniform, to go on Facebook Live and post a video of her complaining about... African-American subordinates, females ah, yes. specifically saying that they were disrespectful, wouldn't do anything that she was telling them to do. Uh, apparently, you know, that she was all fed up. Did it in uniform? Did it on Facebook Live? Well, here's an announcement coming from the 99th Air Base Wing at Nellis out there in Nevada. In accordance with the Uniform Code of Military Justice, Geraldine Lovely was held accountable for her actions. While specifics on this case cannot be released, 99th Air Base Wing leadership is satisfied with the outcome. Why can't you release any information on the case? I mean, I've seen information on other uh, non-judicial punishment, UCMJ stuff, uh, being made public. Why can't they release any information on this case?
2: It sounds to me like... Two things. Number one, they're trying to keep this as quiet as possible. They don't want any more publicity with this. And number two, the only thing I can think of is that they didn't reduce her in rank and they don't want to put that out there because everyone was calling for you know you know she's an NCO she should know
1: better you should reduce her in rank well she'd still be an NCO then too <laughs> I mean no take her down yeah. to like senior yeah. airman Oh see, uh, I don't think eh, I guess I guess there's possibilities to do that but typically you can only go down if she's getting paid as a tech sergeant as an E6 she'll probably be knocked down to E5 I mean they they can go farther than that but that's typically the result of criminal cases this isn't a criminal case this is Hey, you're a jerk, Geraldine. That's that's kind of yeah. what this case was. And I'm sure there's some UCMJ article that she violated, but
2: she's not going to prison yeah. for this. It, the biggest thing is about this is probably it's an EO violation, equal equal opportunity violation, yeah. in that because it was racially charged. So yeah. that's probably why people are calling for more harsh punishment than the UCMJ
1: really can give. I was seeing some people on social media saying that they didn't believe that she would be punished all that much because she herself was African American. I don't know about that. I don't know about anything because the 99th air base wing isn't releasing the information, which again, they say they can't release it. Okay. Former public affairs officer here. Why not? There, I I can't think of many, if any good reasons for you to not release like, Oh yes, this person was you can absolutely release that information if you want to. Uh, Clearly the command said that they didn't want to, like you said, maybe with the hopes of kind of cutting this off and like, let's not have any more focus on it. But When you don't tell everybody the full details of the story, you know what happens? People make up their own ideas. We talk about it on the morning briefing. Yeah. Other people talk about it on social media. I was seeing, uh, oh, who was talking about it yesterday? I think maybe uh, the guy, uh, Max Siriarte, Terminal Lance, I think he may have tweeted about it. I saw some other people tweet. About, oh, Nick Palmishano from Ranger Up. He oh. tweeted about it, definitely. You know, they're, they're people like, well, what happened to her? Like, what, what's going on there? And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why they wouldn't tell us this. They've told us it in other cases of, of non judicial punishment. They don't have to, but in a publicized case like this, might be helpful for them to put out the information unless they didn't do anything substantial. If yeah. she got like a letter, will be put into your file. Oh, a letter! What letter? Is it an F for failure? <laughs> is it an R for racist statements? I mean, that that if that's all that they did, if they didn't reduce her in rank, if they didn't uh, you know penalize you know, her in some way in
2: her in that defense, if that's what they did, an official letter of reprimand, she is going to have nigh impossible time making E seven. I know, at least in the Army, if you get official letter of reprimand as an E6, you can kiss Sergeant First Class goodbye.
1: Well, here's the thing, though. Depends on what you do for a living. Depends on what your job is. Depends on how many people they need to promote. I remember a time where in my rate in the Navy, which is an MOS essentially for everybody else, uh, we just, we're different in the Navy. We have ratings. and just got to be different. Oh, our ranks have letters and numbers involved in them. It's like a, a math equation essentially <laughs> trying to figure it out. I could tell you, like I told people in the Army at a command that kids were saluting me. I was like, stop saluting me. I'm not an officer. Oh, what are you? I'm an MC1. Like a rapper? <laughs> it's like, no, not, not like a rapper, mass communications. And I had to give very brief, like in the Navy, your job title gives you a two to three letter or even four in some cases, two to four letter rating, essentially. So like an AO, aviation or it's an ordinance man, BM, bosun's mate, MC, mass communication specialist. And they're like, oh that's kind of dumb i was like well yeah it's 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 historically uh important though to us and of course recently the navy tried to move away from that and just moved to calling everybody e4 and above petty officer e3 and below seaman then e7 and above chief senior chief master chief uh going more on that model that the army and the marine corps use and then and sailors threw a fit they didn't like that oh yeah no they didn't and they got rid of that i mean sometimes they uh they make these announcements and and that's their test of it. And the, uh, th- there's a lot of history behind that. Like a Corman, a Corman, you will never hear a Corman referred to unless they're in trouble or receiving an award as like petty officer, first class, petty officer, first class, Jake Hughes. No, he's Corman Hughes. That's, I mean, that's what you'll be refer- referred to as or HM one MC one. It's, it's, In the Navy, how we identify each other. It's also for us and and not easy for everybody on the outside, but it makes it easier for us to figure out who we need to talk to or what they do for a living. If they say, hey, go find uh, uh, Sergeant Smith. Sergeant Smith is the guy who does uh, photography they go looking around how many sergeant smiths are there going to be or if you come across someone and they're in they're at a command but you don't know is this someone who works in the shop is this someone who works in admin it's for us it's a lot easier uh, to figure out exactly what's going on and who's doing what when we are able to uh when we're able to to call them by their rate so the navy blue shirts as we're called the blue jackets pushed back on the uh, the removal of the rating system to to go to a more simplified petty officer, seaman, chief, that whole thing. Uh, and, you know, I would have pushed back on it, too, if I was in. Although I had two different rates while I was in without changing jobs. Started as a Navy journalist. Then they merged us with photographers, which made sense. And lithographers and draftsmen, which didn't make as much sense. And created mass communication specialists. So, yeah, interesting thing. But this, uh, this issue with Tech Sergeant Lovely out there at Nellis Air Force Base, who... Her actions were far less than lovely. See what it did there. Uh, we don't know what the what the punishment was. They say that she's been held accountable, but they won't tell us how. They won't tell us in what way. They won't. They won't even give us a hint. Like, well, her her job was title was changed, or her. I mean, if that's all you did, that's that's nothing. If you didn't run, bump her down from tech sergeant to staff sergeant, eh, that's a, that could be an issue. And as Jake said, you know, you could have. That letter of reprimand make it very hard for her to make master sergeant in the Air Force unless she works in a job field where they're doing like 100% promotion, which is pretty rare. But, you know, it's possible. They had that in my job in the Navy. I think it was about 2002, maybe 2003, something like that. More like 2001, 2002. There was 100% promotion to chief. So if you took the test and you got above the minimum score for passing, you got to go and put on khakis. Yeah, wasn't happening by the time I was up for chief, unfortunately for me. All right. Fortunately for all of us, the morning briefing continues. Joe Schinelli, executive director of AmVets. He is in the building downstairs. I believe Jake just went to go grab him and bring him up. And we're going to talk to him about what's going on over at the VA and so much more in just a few moments. Morning briefing Thursday, March 1st edition. Back after this. Welcome back to the Morning Briefing, Thursday, March 1st, 2018 edition. Can you believe it's already March? It was Christmas like a week ago. What's going on, man? Time just keeps speeding up, and I'm sure it's not doing it just for me. I'm sure it's doing it for all of you, and what we're doing, it's for all of you, too. ConnectingVets.com is created by veterans for veterans, focusing on the veteran and military and spouse experience, life, the vet spheres, we like to call them. If you go to our site right now, you'll find fantastic stories on veteran entrepreneurs who've done great things like the two sisters, the Nunez sisters, behind Sword and Plow, how they built that company, how they created something from a simple question, an idea about turning a tent into a tote bag. Yeah, it's as simple as that. You'll also find out great things like, well, our discussion we had with the folks from Hilton yesterday. They've hired 10,000 vets in the last couple of years. And now they've announced they're going to hire 20,000 more veterans by 2020 and historical items. Like, did you know the U.S. Army had an all black Ranger unit? It's true. It was the first one and the only one. You can find out about that story and so much more at ConnectingVets.com. And of course, by following us on social media where we are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Our next guest is the CEO of Patriot Alliance. We're going to talk to him to find out about his company, which is civilian owned and create some really cool, really patriotic apparel. Not only do they make those cool items, they also use some of their profits to give back to the military and veteran communities. The CEO of Patriot Alliance is Jake Greenberg, and he joins us now in the morning briefing. Jake, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I can't complain. Well, I could complain, but nobody wants to hear that on a radio program this early in the morning. We try to keep things upbeat and Patriot Alliance is certainly an upbeat company. But before we talk about exactly what you guys do and the products that you make, let's find out just a little bit about you. Now, as I understand it, despite your company doing so much for the military and veteran communities, you're not a veteran yourself. So what is your background?
0: My background is basically business and finance. So, uh, for a living, I'm actually an investment manager. I do a lot of portfolio design and tax work and things like that. Um, so, having a patron, uh clothing company is kind of complete opposite of what I do for a living. Right. Um, so...
1: And and where did you come up with the idea for Patriot Alliance, which is a company that makes some really fantastic T-shirts and other gear? Uh, Where did the idea for Patriot Alliance come from?
0: Uh, A few years ago, uh, I was talking with an individual about um, politics and freedom and protecting our rights and things like that. And uh, this guy says to me, uh, you know, it's really neat to see a young person inspiring patriotism I said, okay, yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. But in my mind, I was like, you know what, Um, I'm glad it seems that way, but really outside of this conversation, there's nothing I'm really doing to, quote-unquote, inspire patriotism. So Mm -hmm. it kind of put a spark in me to do something uh, that could give back to our veteran community um, and just inspire that uh, patriotism inside of every American, Um, because being that I wasn't a veteran, I think a lot of people have this mindset that unless I served in, my, in the military, um, I, I'm not as much of a patriot as somebody else, right? And, right. Um, you know, I, I wasn't in the military, but I felt like, you know, I could, I could potentially serve my country in a different way um, by way of helping support those that did serve in the military. So I kind of sat on the idea for a while. Um, how can I inspire patriotism? Is it just an idea that we do, or is it a company, or is it a product, or what is it? So I probably sat on it for like a year or two, and then one day um, I saw a company post a shirt for sale online, and they sold out of them within a very short period of time, and the design was really, really cheesy, and I was like, oh my gosh, if this company could sell that shirt within a few days and sell out of them, I could probably do Better than that, so <laughs> we designed our first shirt, and um, kind of the rest is is history. That was almost three years ago now.
1: Wow, three years ago, and it's interesting that you mention that with you not being a veteran that. That there are those people out there who would automatically think that every veteran is going to be a bigger patriot than you, where, listen, dude, I know some veterans who uh, don't care for this country very much, as odd as that may sound, as disjointed as it may be. But clearly, that's not the case with you. And uh, also interesting to hear that actually the idea for the company came after the idea and the desire to do something for uh, the military and veteran community and to give back to them. So was that the most important? important aspect of it and then you just had to kind of find a delivery vehicle to be able to do that and achieve that mission?
0: Right, exactly. The the name of the company was originally Inspire Patriotism for maybe like two weeks. And then uh I quickly concluded that this isn't really a name. It's more of a call to action. So I kind of reviewed everything and said, okay, what's the goal of the, the business? Uh, the goal would be to align patriots together around the common mission of inspiring patriotism. They said, okay, well, if I want to align patriots, maybe the name should just be Patriot Alliance. And now our slogan is inspire patriotism. Mm.
1: So. What has been the reaction that you've gotten from the military and veteran communities first uh, to your product lines and then also to uh, kind of your, uh, your mission, as you said, just of inspiring patriotism. What sort of feedback have you been getting from the milvet community?
0: We've had nothing but positive feedback from them um, you know we ha- we work with a lot of military we employ uh, a couple of veterans and um, the the overall response is typically one of gratitude for you know being a company that that does support um, uh, our veterans a, a portion of our the proceeds of our sales are donated to various. Uh, military, and also law enforcement uh, charities.
1: Right. And that is a a big part of your business model, as I understand it. So, you know, there there are companies out there that people, I think, feel are uh, taking advantage of the flag or taking advantage of the veteran and military community. How important is it for you to actually, you know, give a portion of your products to these organizations? And can you tell us a little bit about the organizations that you've uh, decided to give to?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's the cornerstone of our brand. That's why we established our company. And as anybody know that's listening who owns a, a small business, uh, you know, especially in the first few years, uh, cash flow is, is could be tight and every dollar is valuable. And so sometimes writing that check, you know, when we say, okay, we're going to donate, uh, a portion of the proceeds for this last quarter, sometimes doing that is really tough. And it's like, okay, I don't know, really know how we're going <laughs> to be able to continue doing this, but the money always seems to flow in. Um, some of the charities that we've supported uh, are like the Injured Marine Sem- Semper five Fi Fund. We've supported Wishes for Warriors, uh, Team Rubicon, um, and a few others. So, uh, you know, people, I think, especially in this day and age, they like to uh, spend their money where it's more than just a product that they're getting, but they're helping support something bigger. And that's always been our focus. It's like, yeah, the, the product we believe is great. Uh, we believe the designs are current and um, not, you know, a lot of, like these other, uh, some, some brands have like really, really cheesy designs or the whole thing is a big old uh, graphic and it's, it's, uh, it's too much. We believe in just real simple lifestyle designs um, that have a purpose and a meaning. Right. And I think that people really uh, buy in and, and connect with that mission.
1: And we're speaking with Jake Greenberg. He is the founder and CEO of Patriot Alliance, a uh, military and veteran-themed clothing company. Jake himself, not a veteran, but had the idea that he wanted to do something to give back to the veteran military and law enforcement communities and created this company as a vehicle to do that, where they donate a portion of their uh, profits from every item that they sell to veterans' organizations, including Wishes for Warriors, which uh, they're currently affiliated with, and according to the website, giving $1 for every shirt sold to the the Wishes for Warriors Group, which is uh, really a fantastic thing. Now, speaking of those shirts, Jake, let's talk a little bit about your actual product lines. I mean, if someone hasn't heard of Patriot Alliance and they come up to you and you say, "Oh, yeah, I own a company called Patriot Alliance and it sells T-shirts," how would you describe your products and the, and the overarching theme of what Patriot Alliance is all about? Uh,
0: well, it's we always say it's it's a it's an apparel company that's designed specifically to inspire patriotism through the designs that are on the apparel. So, you know, a lot of people have a voice, right? They can, they can go in front of a crowd. They can talk about what they believe in. uh, They can share with people publicly and take a stand. A lot of people though, you know, they're not comfortable doing that. They don't know how to do that. They maybe don't feel like they're well-spoken and don't do well in debate and whatever the case may be. And we find that sometimes just wearing a shirt, that kind of lets people know where you stand sometimes uh, in a roundabout way uh, is that voice for you. And we have people that email in to us all the time saying, Hey, you know, I was at the store the other day and someone came up to me and said, Hey, I really like your shirt. And uh, we had this really great conversation about, about freedom and about, you know, our constitutional rights and supporting our military and, uh, you know, so thank you for, you know, creating this design because it was a conversation I otherwise would have never had. You know, we get emails like that all the time. So, you know, our, our goal in designing our apparel is really to, um, uh, in a day in which sometimes taking a stand for our rights is becoming increasingly more and more almost looked down upon, uh, we try to do it so that no matter where you go, someone sees, and sometimes it's really subtle, it's just a flag on the sleeve or it's, um, you know, a shirt that lists the bill of rights on it, or it says, you know, um, you know, freedom isn't free or, or whatever, you know, it's just a constant reminder to be thankful for the freedoms that we have. Uh, you know, if you know a veteran to think a veteran, obviously, you know, red Fridays, remember everyone deployed, people wear that shirt on, on Fridays a lot. And I think it's just a, it's, it's apparel that's constantly reminding you, um, you know, of what America is all about um, and, and why we should, you know, constantly just be thankful for the freedoms that we have.
1: Well, there you go. I mean, that's a pretty good description of what you are about over at Patriot Alliance. Now, Jake, with you coming from the finance background, it would seem like you probably had a little bit of a leg up in understanding business models, understanding what you probably needed to do. So as an entrepreneur yourself who, again, you work in the financial world and then you started this company uh, separately from that, if there are veterans out there who may not have that background in finance, may not be as good with money, for example, as you are how would you recommend that they go about trying to start their own business? What are the things that they should look at to to make the decision on whether it's it's the right time or the right idea or whether it's even feasible for them to go into business for themselves?
0: That's a good question. I, I think starting your own business is uh you know, one of the most exciting and, and challenging things that that you could probably do, especially with your, your time and your money. Um I think everyone's probably heard statistics about how most you know businesses that start ultimately fail within the first couple of years and things mm-hmm. like that. I think that what what uh, most people fail to do is properly plan. Um, so one of the things that Patriot Alliance did uh, in the very very beginning was we kind of created a game plan for how we were going to acquire customers and at which point we were going to launch a product for sale. And uh, we're we're primarily based on out of social media, so. I'm sure a lot of people listening have probably followed us on social media. We have a big online, you know, Instagram following. And and that was kind of part of your, the original game plan. Let's build a, an audience. Uh, without an audience, nobody's going to buy your stuff or, or uh, you know, solicit your services. So um, I think having that plan in place, how am I going to build an audience? What am I going to do is really key. But more importantly, when, when orders start coming in, how am I going to manage that money? You know, what's the how much of these products are we going to buy? Cause if you get too carried away, you may buy a product and have all this inventory and nobody wants it. So you get stuck with it. And, um, but definitely, I think just mapping things out in the beginning, having a game plan, uh, and not just executing for the sake of executing, but, um, actually knowing kind of step-by-step step what your plan is, that so you don't get ahead of yourself is probably, uh, at a very simplified level, a uh, key, of course, in starting a, a brand or a business or, or a service or whatever the case may be.
1: We're speaking with Jake Greenberg. Jake is the founder and CEO of Patriot Alliance, a military veteran and law enforcement-themed clothing company that gives money back from every item that they sell to veterans, groups like Wishes for Warriors. Now, Jake, what what are some of the lessons that you've learned that you think you could pass on? As you said, many businesses totally fail within the first year, and I think even the successful businesses certainly have setbacks but are able to to work around them to adapt and overcome, as we say. What are some of the things that you've learned that you think might be helpful for people who are looking to go into business for themselves?
0: I think uh, being able to hold your opinion of your product loosely is key uh, because sometimes, you know, I'll come up with an idea, we'll launch it, and I think it's amazing, but nobody buys it, right? And, and a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, are unwilling to let go of an idea, right? They they believe so wholeheartedly that, that they're correct, that this is going to sell. Nobody buys it, but they still hold tightly to it, and mm-hmm. they they – dump their time and their money and their energy into launching it. And, and sometimes that's what's needed. Um, you know, a lot of products that originally launched, nobody liked it. Now they're things that we use in our daily lives. Right. But, um, like the car, right. <laughs> when th- those are originally known says, so you know, this is going to be great, but of course you keep at it. And, but usually that's not the case. So I think it's, it's really important to, Say, okay, this is a loser, this is a winner, and to let go of your losers, because if you keep on focusing on them, it's just going to drive you out of business. I think listening to the customer, uh, what they want to see, what they don't want to see, uh, and constantly adapting to you know, your market is absolutely critical to make sure that what you are launching, what you are producing, uh, people are actually going to buy and continue to buy. Um, all of our sales that we launch, uh, over 30% of our daily sales are from uh, existing customers. So to us, that's every time we get a reorder from somebody, that's like a, an affirmation that we're, that we're doing something right. That they came back, that they want to order something again. You know, and I, I think again, that the key is just listening to your customer, making sure that you're doing the things that they want you to do, and you're not just doing things for the sake of doing it because you think that it's the right thing. You know.
1: Exactly. And we're speaking with the uh, founder and CEO of Patriot Alliance, Jake Greenberg. And Jake, I wanted to ask you a question after looking through, you know, browsing through the products that you guys have available. um, There are several products that are are very clearly and openly, you know, pro-Second Amendment. There's a, a... California, you know, the bear, the, the flag of California with 2A instead of NIA and and other ones, uh, you know, uh, Patriot Alliance Article Number 2 shall not be infringed. With the current debate that rages around gun control and guns and things like that, uh, you know, is that something that, that you worry about or do you think it's important to stay true to what you believe when it comes to things like gun rights or things that, you know, may not be popular with certain segments of the population? How do you look at that aspect of it?
0: Yeah, no, that's what that's what the, the brand was started, why we started in the beginning, was to support our constitutional rights, again, through the, the apparel that we wear. So when an idea becomes unpopular, right, we usually will push it even harder because I think that people want companies that are standing up for their rights, right, instead of, you know, like some of these companies that I'm sure we've seen in the news the last few days raising the age to from purchasing a firearm from 18 to 21 or, or removing, you know, assault style, uh, quote unquote, weapons from their stores or websites or even, you know, Walmart <laughs> removing airsoft guns that look like um, assault weapons. You know, these things are, are just, in our opinion, pandering to the public to try to increase sales or to make it seem like they care. In reality, it's typically just about the bottom line for companies like this, and they feel like somehow this resonates with the people. We believe the opposite, that the majority of Americans believe that their gun rights are, you know, are sacred and, and part of the, the backbone of how this company came to – the, uh, the country came to be. And so we like to just stick to that and say, you know what, we're going to support our American rights. We don't care if it's the popular public opinion – um, in the news or whatever the case may be uh, and so that that california shirt obviously we're based in california so probably one of the most strict uh you know gun uh, uh states in terms of gun laws and gun restrictions and we launched that cali 42a uh shirt just uh about a week ago and the response we've had on that shirt is uh been kind of unexpected we've sold uh, probably more of that shirt than any other shirt on our website within the last week. Wow. So, you know, there's definitely an audience for it. They want it. They want a company that's going to support their rights. And we feel like that's kind of our, our job to do that
1: you know and and the response is another thing i wanted to ask you about as you said being uh, you know so focused on social media as so many companies companies are these days and as it, it really if you want to be a successful company you need that social media presence for promotion for marketing uh, it's it's great in some ways and then it doesn't cost you anything to have an instagram account for example but uh, it also allows unfiltered, anonymous feedback from people. So I wanted to ask about, you know, the fact that you guys are openly pro-Second Amendment at Patriot Alliance, and we're speaking to Patriot Alliance founder and CEO Jake Greenberg. Uh, What has the response been overall? I mean, I I would imagine, particularly in the last two weeks, you've probably gotten some negative response from people. But overall, what would you say if you had to break it down on an estimate, like percentage-wise, positive to negative feedback that you guys get? And, And how do you view that negative feedback, whatever percentage it is?
0: Um, Well, when I first started the brand, and uh, of course, on social media, you know, you post anything and you're going to get people that disagree with you, um, people that support you, right? And it's really tempting that when you see some of those negative comments that you want to engage in a debate with them, we learned real quickly to kind of give up on doing that. We don't uh, bother debating because most of these people aren't really looking to have a, a, you know, constructive conversation. They're just looking to be, you know, um, to cause division and things like that by posting comments. And ultimately, even if you do have to try to have a, you know, a structured, you know, an intelligent conversation, it ends up getting emotional and then they start making personal jabs and things like that, that aren't constructive at all. So, you know, from, from uh, Whenever we launch something, especially like this California shirt, believe it or not, I mean, if you go on our website and you look or on our social media page and you look at the first time we posted this shirt, there are a ton of comments on it, and um, it's possible. I haven't read all of them, but I can't think of any negative comments that were actually posted on it, and we have a public page. It's not a private page, so the majority of the, f- the feedback that we get is overwhelmingly positive, but of course you're going to have those people from time to time that disagree with what you say, but we usually just leave them alone. Typically the people that follow us engage in debate (laughs) on our behalf. Uh, so we, we tend to stay out of it as a brand when it comes to the debate, we obviously launch our products and that is clear enough as to where we stand. We don't need to, you know, engage in, um, defending ourselves more in, in comments, but yeah, it's overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly positive. And um, I think that one of the reasons why we've grown as quickly as we have is because we stay consistent with our message and we don't we don't waver uh, even when, you know, publicly it's it's not the most popular thing to do.
1: Well, and I think that's something that many people can respect. And obviously, with, I mean, 110,000 followers on Instagram alone, uh, Patriot Alliance, there seem to be quite a few people out there who think that you're doing something right. Let me ask about the future of Patriot Alliance. We have a couple minutes left here, Jake. What do you see as the direction Patriot Alliance is heading in, and where do you want to be a couple years from now, five years from now, ten years from now? Uh,
0: The direction that we're heading is just more of the same right we just want to continue growing like we are um you know this last year we were able to you know bring on a, a couple of veteran employees and that's uh something that we're we're currently uh really passionate about doing is is hiring veterans whenever we can um obviously we don't hire veterans just for the sake of hiring veterans they have to be qualified they have to be able to do the job if we find someone that's you know, not a veteran that can do the job better than some of our veteran applicants, and we would hire a, a civilian. But when we, whenever we can, uh, we like to try to to employ veterans, and we make a point of trying to seek them out. Um, you know, going forward, we're just going to continue be continuing releasing um, more designs, more products that that people can connect and resonate with. Um, we're launching more and more custom products, custom jackets, board shorts, joggers. Uh, we're working right now on a, on a custom uh, performance women's line. Uh, most of the people that follow us like over 85% of the people that follow us on social media are men. And we're trying to engage uh, more of that female audience as well. Cause we know that there's a lot of female patriots out there not just men. So right. um, we're trying to focus more on our women's line, but, Anyway, it's just more of the same. We're just trying to get better at it, release more of it, uh, more options, more designs, and um, and just continuing to stick with the message that we were founded on.
1: And if people want to find out more about that message and more about Patriot Alliance, what's the website they can go to to find out all about what you guys are about?
0: They can go to PatriotAllianceUSA.com.
1: All right. Well, we want to thank Jake Greenberg, founder and CEO of Patriot Alliance for joining us here on the morning briefing, as well as, of course, Mr. Joe Schinelli, executive director of AmVets, our usual Thursday, 730 guest. That does it for the morning briefing today. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day. Stay safe.